I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Apologies accepted. The, the podcast. podcast. And I'm not Theo. And I'm not Juliet. And I want to know what's shaken bacon. Wow, let's see. What is shaken bacon? Let's jump right into the bacon and see what's going on in everybody's lives this week. I have. Oh, that's not going to work. Can you hear that at all? I hear you, but I don't hear anything else. Oh. It's bacon. I have a little audio of bacon sizzling a in the sizzling pan. Bacon. <laughs> a joke that went absolutely nowhere because the sound did not transmit. So great. Thanks, phone. Good try. Um, let's see. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's a lie. No, truly. Like, <laughs> I am dying to hear all about your breakfast, shall we say, bacon. My um, breakfast. My, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Your bacon. Um, well, I did go to New York, but uh, are you sure you have Nothing. I totally have nothing. Like, it would be the okay. most boring story in the world. I did not go to New York. I did not go to an art show. I did not do anything. I <laughs> literally sat down and breathed. That was my week. I went to New York, and I went to an art show. I went to um, stayed in Union Square at the W Hotel, which is getting a little old now, but um, but huge room, uh, especially for New York. So, And it had a view of Union Square. So it was in Union Square. had a view of Union Square and the farmer's market and just... A, ideal um you know it was a little bit worn around the edges but otherwise just an ideal hotel room um so that was great but we went to the brooklyn museum to see the hannah gatsby picasso exhibit which we talked about um on previous podcasts and it was pretty much what i expected based on the negative reviews that it had been getting it was it was interesting i was interested i you know i it kept my attention i looked at all of the art and read all of the comments um the the review card what do you call those little review cards that are by the paintings they must have a name but i don't know what they're the called little painting cards little painting cards yeah so i i read all the little painting cards and um each one had a little quip from hannah gatsby which was kind of i i don't want to say immature but not really funny and not really interesting which is disappointing oh, no but the rest of the information i know but the rest of the information on the cards painting cards was good um, so I enjoyed it. The The two things that stood out to me most about this exhibit were one that the painting. So, so there were Picasso paintings and drawings. Uh-huh. And then there were um, alongside them women's art, um, art by women and commentary on the on the art by women. And the first thing was that the art by women was not necessarily really related to uh-huh. the Picasso so I'm not sure what they were doing in the exhibit. Um, they weren't all, you know, necessarily influenced by Picasso or, or in some way related to Picasso. So I'm not quite sure how they picked those, those, those pieces of art. So so that was kind of confusing. And the second thing, um, was that a lot of the women that they did pick the work of art by said they were influenced by Picasso. So I guess they were influenced by Picasso. Maybe that's what it was, but they said that they, they, not that they were influenced by Picasso so much really as that they said they had learned to separate the art from the artist, which is the opposite of the whole point of Hannah Gatsby, which is saying we cannot separate the art from the artist. And, you know, we, we hate Picasso because he was such an asshole. Um, 
I don't know. So it was interesting. It was worth seeing. It was worth whatever, 25 bucks or whatever I paid this for the ticket. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed being at, at the Brooklyn Museum and uh, would like to go back sometime to look at some of the other art. Although I, I did look at some of it. I didn't look at all of it because we were in New York and we wanted to wander around in New York. Um, so we had uh, some of the other things that we did where we had some great Ethiopian food uh, at this place called Masawa. It was absolutely delicious. Um, and the most important thing that I did was I had Dunkin' Donuts coffee for the first time. What? So what was the, okay, I should be all like, tell me more about the art show. Tell me more about that coffee, because I've never had it. Um, it is fine. It is just coffee. I mean, I had a latte, and it was a latte. It, it was not the best coffee I've ever had, which I didn't expect. It was also not the worst coffee I've ever had, which I kind of did expect. So, um, you know, if you're ever around at Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, get some. But I, we also, of course, went to coffee shops and sat outside and drank coffee and, and in the European manner, uh, watched the people go by, and it was just, it was a great trip. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing my, my, um, my cousin. And enjoyed New York. Um, it has been such a long time since I've been to New York. I, I hesitate to even think how long it had been. Um, but uh, it, it has it has changed and it hasn't. So I uh, I will go back. I will go back. I will make a point to go back again relatively soon and uh, explore a little bit more. So we walked around all around Union Square and all, all the neighborhoods sort of in the southern part of the um the city, we went to Hudson Yards, which is really touristy, but uh, but nice, um, nicely done. And we saw the vessel, which I mentioned um, previously uh, to you before the podcast, which is a building that they built and had to shut down because people were jumping off of it, which is really depressing. People ruin but, everything. Uh, oh, look at this nice building. Let's commit suicide. <laughs> and then we saw the edge, which is just this part of a building really sort of sticks out into the into the skyline. Oh, no. Did you walk on that or whatever? Of course not. Are you I'm kidding me? like already panicking. No, okay, uh, I looked at it and I was panicking. Yeah. So. <laughs> I just cool. heard the name and I started to panic. <laughs> uh, so, so there you go. Uh, New York is a good place to visit. I recommend it to everyone. And that's my bacon for <laughs> that's my bacon for the week. Go see New York. That is some juicy bacon. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get to stay very long, really, because I I flew in on Friday night and left on. Sunday evening, so it was really like a day and a half. Um, but but you know we went to brunch on Sunday and uh, wandered around a little bit more and looked at things. And I think it was it was a good use of the time that I had. And it was great that my cousin was able to come up. She lives in Delaware, so she took like the train, which is a couple, an hour and a half or so um, to huh. the city. So and and she hadn't been to New York in a little while either, just as a tourist. She she goes there for work every so often. But um, so it was it was a good experience for both of us, I think. I had this idea that if I lived on the East Coast, God forbid, but if I lived on the East Coast and yeah. I was like an hour outside of the city or whatever, that yeah. like I would be in the city every weekend. Every That's weekend. kind of I what know. I think, right? And probably would not. Probably it's a, not because it's always there, Like, right? You'd be like, oh, yeah. maybe next weekend. Yeah. It's like when you live next door to Disneyland, you never go to Disneyland. Right. Well, for other reasons, too. <laughs> <laughs> How dare yeah. you? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, how many times did you go to Disneyland when you worked at Disney? I worked at Disney, and um, I will say that I did go to Disneyland for, air quotes around, fun, but for fun, because uh -huh. I had free access, right? Uh -huh. And so, like, I could bring in a guest, or sometimes so I could bring compelling. in, like, three guests, right? Right. Um, and so, fun for that, um, but... Prior to working at Disney and post working at Disney, never. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
proving my point. Exactly. But when you work at a place, it's different. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, So the Hannah show, was there a quote that like sticks in your mind as kind of like, what the fuck is this in relation to Uh, the art? Like, was there one that sticks out? as Not really, but they were just really kind of blithe comments and uh, almost thoughtless. And, And I would have thought that someone with the skills as a comedian that she has and and the obviously she's very intelligent um, would have come up with something a little more trenchant mm-hmm. for for the the works but i don't know maybe uh, she she studied art in college so uh, she does have some background in art but she does she didn't go on to study art so maybe um, maybe it was just something that she felt that she should leave to the uh, the the other let the works of art speak for themselves as much as possible i guess i don't know yeah i i don't know either um, but that is disappointing that you yeah. did find the show to be somewhat un what's the word i don't want to say lackluster um but like the negative reviews maybe had some validity yeah they did i think they did but again uh, it was worth seeing the art and it was worth going to um and they had a lot of stuff from well not a lot but they had several pieces from the gorilla girls who i really like so there was some art there that i really appreciated seeing and and i just wish it had had maybe a better spotlight on it mm-hmm. or a little more attention paid to it in some ways but um but yeah it was totally worth it and i think it's going to be up for a while so everybody who is uh, within the sound of my voice should go and see it take your take your weekend flight to new york no matter where you live and go see the Hannah Gatsby Picasso exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum. I would totally go so, see it. You should. Go ahead. Great. <laughs> Let's go now. So what are we talking about today, Theo? Well, speaking of um, women and <laughs> women's voices, uh, we are talking about, let me get to it. basically bias against women in uh, scientific publishing. Um, It's no secret that female scientists have a harder time than male scientists in getting their works into publications. And typically it's a case of, um, hey, let's kind of just use your initials so people think you're a man or better right. yet let's get a man let's get a man and get his name on this right right and uh sadly that is just still how it is uh-huh. that's so true um so the example that we're talking about today is that in in 2015 fiona engleby who at the time was a postdoc in evolutionary genetics at the university of sussex co-wrote an article with uh, i think her fellow postdoc megan head and submitted it to the respected scientific journal plus one and i think it's pronounced plus one p-l-o-s one i've I've always thought it was plus one so um it's that's part of a group of publications put out by the the public library of science p-l-o-s so um that's what that is um her Study or their study surveyed 244 people with PhDs in biology to evaluate male-female differences in success at getting postdoctoral funding and fellowships. And uh, Ingleby told Retraction Watch that, quote, in a nutshell, we found that men finished their PhDs with more other author papers than women, but no difference in number of first author publications. Then we found that the number of publications affected how long it took PhD grads to successfully find a postdoc job, but this effect differed between men and women. It was interesting, but as it used survey data, it was difficult to gain anything conclusive behind the results, so our discussion was pretty open. 
Angel Bee and Head send their article received a rejection from PLOS One with just one review, which is interesting. Um, Angel Bee said, not only did the review seem unprofessional and inappropriate, but it didn't have any constructive or specific criticism to work on, which is, of course, a key to these reviews. They're supposed to be guidelines to improving your article, um, so they're supposed to provide you with uh, hints and, and suggestions as to how you can improve the article. Um, the reviewer had actually written that the study was methodologically weak and had fundamental flaws and weaknesses that cannot be adequately addressed by mere revision of the manuscript, however extensive. So what were these fundamental flaws? Well, the reviewer suggested that the authors find one or two male biologists to work with, or at least obtain internal peer review from, but better yet as active co-authors in order to serve as a possible check against interpretations that may sometimes be drifting too far away from empirical evidence into ideologically based assumptions. Of course, the article had already been read and commented on by male colleagues. I mean, they're not going to put out an article that hadn't been commented on by a variety of people. Um, the reviewer also claimed that male doctoral students produce more papers than females and that male scientists publish in better journals and work longer hours. So you can see a little bit of bias here on behalf of the, a little bit, a lot of bias on on the reviewers and only um, bias, yeah, it's, only bias, exactly. Uh, what what kind of person looks at an article written by women and says you need a man, you need a man? To clearly, look at this. the kind of person who looked at that article and said, "Hey, there's one thing wrong here. There's no men involved. We need to fix that." Um, it's just nuts. Um, and Megan had said, we initially sent an appeal to the journal when we first received the review back. We thought it was taking them too long to respond. All we received from them was a form letter apologizing for the delay. But really, this is an open and shut case. We couldn't see why it was taking so long, and we didn't want to see this swept under the carpet. So, of course, being 2015 and, you know, being the, the modern era, more or less, they tweeted about it. And then Megan had said, everyone paid attention. My co-author posted the tweets just before I went to bed at 11 p.m. Australian time. I woke up the next morning and Science Magazine had covered the Twitter storm. It's been really crazy, the response. And as a result, Times Higher Education read the entire review and noted a few other interesting suggestions besides the ones that Ingleby had posted on Twitter. Uh, including in, uh, included in those suggestions were that in offering an alternative interpretation of the data, the reviewer said, it could perhaps be the case that 99% of female scientists made a decision in midlife that spending more time with their children is more important to them than doing everything imaginable to try to get one of the rare position at the utter pinnacle of their field. Or perhaps it is the case that only some small portion of men, and only men, have the kind of egomaniac personality disorder that drives them on to try to become the chief of the world at the expense of all else in life. The reviewer also suggested that male doctoral candidates may have co-authored more papers than females because they can work on average 15 minutes longer per week. Such a small difference of average effort could easily be due to marginal gender differences of physiology and health, the reviewer says. So perhaps it is not so surprising that on average, male doctoral students co-author one more paper than female doctoral students, just as, on average, male doctoral students can probably run a mile race a bit faster than female doctoral students. Which is crazy. Uh, uh, I, uh, he actually even typed that, like... I know. You not only thought it, but wrote it out and sent it in. Yeah. And we don't know who the reviewer is because the, the PLOS One uses a single blind um, review process, which uh, allows the reviewers to know who the authors of the paper are, but does not allow the authors of the paper to know who the reviewer is. So, um, but uh, 
Plus uh, did respond to the, the tweet storm and the articles that were in Retraction Watch, or the article that was in Retraction Watch about this. And initially on uh, the 29th of, of April, uh, which is pretty soon after the article in Retraction Watch, uh, it said, Plus regrets the tone, spirit, and content of this particular review. We take peer review seriously and are diligently and expeditiously looking into this matter. The appeal is in process. Plus allows academic editors autonomy in how they handle manuscripts, but we always follow up if concerns are raised at any stage of the process. Our appeals policy also means that any complaints of the review process can be fully addressed and the author given opportunity to have their paper re-reviewed. Two days later, they made an additional statement. Um, there has been a lot of talk about peer review in general, with some questions raised about single-blind review on Retraction Watch and other venues. We have been asked why PLOS One uses a single-blind system and whether we'll consider other peer review systems in the future. PLOS One currently uses single-blind review and feels that cases such as this highlight the flaws in such a system. We believe the answer lies not in making the process even more closed, such as by using double-blind review, but by opening it up and making it more transparent. We are currently exploring a system on PLOS One with an opt-out feature whereby reviewers' identities are made available to authors and reviews posted alongside papers. Two weeks later, after Science reported on the issue, PLOS One said, PLOS One has asked the academic editor who handled the manuscript to step down and will no longer use the reviewer in question. PLOS One has strict policies for how we expect peer review to be performed, and we strive to ensure that the process is fair and civil. We have taken a number of steps to remedy the situation. We have formally reviewed, removed the review from the record and have sent the manuscript out to a new editor for re-review. We have also asked the academic editor who handled the manuscript to step down from the editorial board, and we have removed the referee from our reviewer database, which is what they should have done in the first place. Um, I don't know, actually, I don't know if you know, if the article was ever published um, I couldn't. I didn't know the name of the article, so I couldn't look it up to see if it had been published. And, and I didn't want to look at all of the articles written by these two co-authors because they have have published additional articles in the future. I, I did note that. Um, so I don't know if you know the answer to that question. I, I do not know that. the answer to that question. Um, but what I do know is that this incident really does highlight the issue at hand, which is mm -hmm. women are given the short end of the stick in yep. science. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, a 2013 report found that the same studies were rated better if the reviewers thought the author was a man than if they thought the author was a woman. So uh, that's not the only study that proved that kind of thing, but uh, it's just a notable one. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Women do get the short end of the stick in science, and I would say in many places. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, I'm, in particular, uh, yeah. I think it's it's evident in... Academia and academia, um, <laughs> and it just that is what it is, um, unfortunately. Uh, and it's it's a what a well known situation slash curse of being a woman. Um, we'll say almost in any field. Let me mansplain this to you so you understand how hard <laughs> women have it. How hard do women have it, Theo? The jokes are writing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's what I have on the on the uh, issue. Before we get to talking about the apology, there was a separate apology. Um, do you have anything to add? Well, yeah. So um, just real, real briefly, um, 
gender bias in academic journals is a concern. And so I did my um, very favorite and now famous run to chat GPT and ask it oh my gosh. some questions. Wow. Yep. And so I did. Um, and uh, I'll say like, there, there was some fun, good stuff that came up. So um, what I think was most interesting to me, uh, gender bias in academic journals um, has very famous, um, I don't know what to call it. Uh, you know, that thing about the male gaze in yeah. film, right? Um, so kind of that's true in academic publishing as well. So here we go. Um, there is the Matilda effect. Um, and so this is in particular to academic journals and female publishing, the Matilda effect refers to the systemic underrepresentation and undervaluation of women's contributions in scientific research. It was named after suffragist and women's right advocate Matilda Jocelyn Gage. This bias leads to women scientists being less likely to be recognized for their work and to have their contributions cited and um, compared to their male counterparts. There's uh, a famous case called the case of Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Jocelyn Bell Burnell um, discovered pulsars, and uh, that is not only considered, it is one of the most important astronomical discoveries of the 20th century, and it was initially attributed solely to her male supervisor, mm -hmm. Anthony Hewish. Although Burnell played a crucial role in the discovery, including building and operating the radio telescope used in the research, I mean, hi. Right. She built... Pretty critical. The telescope. Um, right. She was not initially given proper credit because she built mm -hmm. it backwards. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'll say the next one, which chat GPT just kind of notice how I'm blaming the AI for this. Of course. Of it's course. AI's yeah. fault. What chat GPT did. Um, Bad. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, it coughed up the study on gender bias and peer review. But this is from 2012, um, and it's a study that was published in PLOS, PLOS One. Um, uh, it examined gender bias and peer review process. The study found that manuscripts authored by women were more likely to be subjected to gender-based criticisms and received lower overall scores compared to identical manuscripts with male authorship. Um, and so I always love those things when they like take a study... And the author's name is, you know, Harriet's Lady Girl. And <laughs> it goes out for review and they collect the uh -huh. reviews and then they change the name to Tom Manley. And that goes uh -huh. out and everybody applauds Tom Manley for this amazing uh -huh. piece, right? Uh, sometimes including the same uh, people the same who initially rejected the f yeah, when it was when it was female, right? Um and so, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I'll say probably the most famous example in all of this is uh, Rosalind Franklin and the discovery of DNA. And right. uh, I didn't hear about her until like, um, I don't know, my third, third year in college and in biology mm -hmm. courses. So I like had to take... Um, bio one and bio two to even get to hear about, uh, Rosalind Franklin. Um, yeah. And again, yep. not going to change anytime soon. That's just how the world works. 
if they think it's a man, um, all the better. And, uh, I wish, I wish I had an answer to make it different or better. Yeah. Um, when you say that's just how the world works, do you, do you feel that there's no way to change, change that, um, that there's nothing that can be done or I, I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Well, me either. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just the way the world works. Juliet, you don't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a lot like racism. Well, it's not a lot like racism, but it's very similar to racism, right? It's just this thing that's built into the culture and mm-hmm. it is there full stop. Um, and so ways to work around it. Um, sure. Studies can be um, submitted without the author's name attached to them. Right. Um, we use a series of numbers or some fake identifier, right? Yeah. Um, and it's sort of that question of how do you separate the artist from the art? That's a little bit of also what's at play here. So the work in science and in academy, academy, academia should speak for itself and stand on its own. It doesn't matter if, um, mm, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, let's imagine an article written, um, Jane Goodall. Let's imagine that Uh Jane Goodall publishes a piece, right? Mm-hmm. it gets a lot of attention because it has her name on it. Sure, absolutely. But take her name off of it, and the work is still going to remain the same. And I think that when it comes to science, we really should just remove people's names um, until the review is done. And then when it's published, you get your credit, right? Your name can appear. That's probably the best and only way um, to do it. Right. Right. Do you think there's any way to change that bias that exists in society now? Um, not forcibly. Save us, Theo. I'm going to. Ready? Um, but it's <laughs> generational changes. Uh, and uh, it's I see. Just gonna take, gonna take time. Um, right. And and you know, I mean, within our lifetime, our own mothers could not have their own checking accounts. I know. I know. Right. I know. And so how far society has come, great, um, but at the same time, there is still a long way to go. And and if only... And it takes a long time. It takes a lot longer than than I would have wanted or would would hope. I was just thinking the other day that when back when I was a kid, when Anita Bryant was speaking out against gay people and there was all that hubbub about, um, you know, anti-gay bullshit uh-huh. um that was like 50 years ago now and and things are better now for for gay people but they're still not where i'd like to see them um but it's you know it's taken 50 years to get even the improvement that we've gotten and now that uh, all of the the hubbub and the attention is on trans people you know is it going to take another 50 years before trans people are are um as as okay in society as as even gay people are now which is to be honest not that okay um, so it does take a long time for these things to happen, and it's disappointing that, that societal change seems to take so long. But um, yeah. but we've had a lot of people out there working to improve the situation for um, for the, the, the LGBTQIA plus society. And uh, without those people, I don't think that the change that has happened would have happened. So um, I guess this is a, a call to action for everyone to participate in trying to make the world better for everybody um as we both do every day of our lives i know and you know, and successfully tirelessly and successfully yes um yeah now that i mean that's just it 
um, it, it there's no way to. I mean, on one hand, I would love to argue one person can change society, and sure, yeah, that does happen. Um, can. But for stuff like this, it's just hard baked into the culture. It it takes repeated um, attempts to highlight the issue, yeah. point at the issue, try and resolve the issue, and then you resolve the issue, and then everybody sort of looks and at like backsliding. And yeah. There's- times when things seem to be going in reverse and it's very frustrating and, and difficult. So I agree with you. But we always Not get there. Time. I, you know, I mean, we, we so far. we'll say what's a, what would be like a quote that will ring throughout the ages. Um, we always get there. That's the quote that will ring throughout the ages. <laughs> By um, yeah. You know, society, what, what do they say? It, it swings towards justice. Yeah. Right. And so, Will we get there? Yes, absolutely. Are we going to get there in the next 10 years? No. No. I hear you. Sorry to tell so you. So let's, let's talk about the apology. Um, yes. The apology for this particular issue that we're talking about with the, the article um, in question. So Damien Pattinson, who's PLOS One's editorial director, wrote, I want to sincerely apologize for the distress the report caused the authors and to make clear that we completely oppose the sentiments it expressed. The report contained objectionable language and the authors were understandably upset. We are reviewing our processes to ensure that future authors are given a fair and unprejudiced review. As part of this, we are working on new features to make the review process more open and transparent, since evidence suggests the review is more constructive and civil when the reviewers' identities are known to the authors. This work has been ongoing for some months at PLOS One, and we will be announcing more details on these offerings soon. Again, I don't know if they if they actually did that. I should have looked it up, but I should have asked ChatGBT if, if PLOS One has a more transparent review process um but i I don't know the answer uh Uh, looks like you're gonna ask i'm going to that's awesome um so while you're doing that um i'm just gonna discuss the apologies on its merits so uh was there an expression of regret uh kind of kind of not really not excited about it Uh, was there an explanation of what went wrong sort of they said the review process was not open enough so i guess that I mean, they kind of explain what went wrong. I don't know if I agree with their explanation, but um, that's another question. Was there an acknowledgement of responsibility? Not really. Was there a declaration of repentance? Yes, they did say that they were sorry. They sincerely apologized. Um, Was there an offer of repair? Well, they did say they would try to make the review process more open, but they didn't do anything to address the harm that was done to these particular authors. So I guess the re-review, if the re-review was offered to them, would be an offer of repair. Um, but again, I don't know for sure that that was done. And was there a request for forgiveness? No. So it um, uh, looks like you got an answer. I do have an answer, actually. And so I want, let's let's do this. Um, let's okay. rate the apology. I did not read the full answer, so I don't. And th- let's see if the answer changes our rating. Our review, our right? rating. Okay. Um, I give it a four out of ten. Um, hmm. So... Uh, Two thirds? Is that two thirds? <laughs> uh, no, that's not two bad thirds. at math. So it's not 50%, <laughs> it's 40%. Um, so whatever that is, 25%. Yeah, I give it a four out of 10. What do you give it? I give it a three. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And um, <laughs> nice that it happened. Glad you acknowledged it. Um, the bit that 
keeps me from doing a four or a five even yeah is um the line we apologize for the stress that we caused yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's not for you're, the mistake you're right we're, you're right we're sorry yes, you're right. sad I totally missed that so i give it a three now too or maybe even two <laughs> see so, it took a man I, I to step you. in here <laughs> number <laughs> <laughs> so what did chat gpt tell us well chat gpt um the my question was does plus one have a more transparent review process in publishing how's that even like a question right uh, more <laughs> transparent than what but uh chat gpt heroically coughed up an answer and that answer yeah. is yes plus one is known <laughs> yes <laughs> full stop <laughs> Plus One is known for its transparent review process in publishing scientific research. Plus One is an open access journal that aims to provide a platform for the publication of rigorous scientific research across various disciplines. The journal emphasizes transparency, openness, and accessibility in its publishing practices. Here are some key features of the Plus One review process. Ah. And there's five of them. Peer review transparency. Plus One follows an open peer review process where the identities of the reviewers and authors are disclosed. I see. This approach allows readers to see the comments and feedback provided by the reviewers, fostering transparency in the evaluation of research. Uh, Inclusive criteria, Plus One focuses on the scientific rigor and validity of the research rather than subjective assessments of potential impact or novelty, right? So we, the science is the science, and and we're not going to allow any sexy nonsense to happen in our <laughs> journal. Um, let's see. Rapid evaluation, post-publication peer review, which kind of interesting. Plus one encourages post-publication peer review and community engagement with published articles. Sure, that I think would happen anyway, but I'm glad you encourage yeah. it. Uh, and then data availability plus one emphasizes data availability and requires authors to provide detailed data. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah that's if you're publishing a scientific thing, you do have to do that. Um, and so they, it's not as a result of this particular situation, but it does seem like plus one. Um, at least as far as uh, ChatGPT is concerned in the year 2021, because ChatGPT is famously frozen in time. It only knows right. what happened up through 2021. Um, so plus one could be run by Nazis right now, and it wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't think that changes my uh, my rating, although Same. it's good to hear that they did change. I don't think they did it be really because of this article. It said the work was ongoing anyway. So, uh, so yeah, three, three out of ten. Three out of ten. Sorry, guys. You needed to, um, I don't know, really actually address the situation with the authors. Um, Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Disappointing to see that things are are still as bad as we knew they were. But uh, we didn't really need proof. But there's proof if you needed it. Um, So, I, I don't, I do have, well, okay. So, for our apology expected, or who's sorry now this week, I mean, can we not talk about the submersible? Uh, do we kind of have to talk about the submersible? Uh, that's the only thing that I could think about when I thought about apology expected this week. And what an apology that will be, right? Yeah, right, exactly. What a horrible, tragic situation. Um, it is maddening and and makes me angry, you know. Yes. 
Um, it just needless, stupid, everything about it. Completely, completely appalling. Uh, it's just how how would it, great would it be if I was like best thing that ever happened, funniest story of all time. <laughs> can't believe how great it was. Um, I mean, on the one hand, you can't be too sorry that a bunch of oppressors have died. On the other hand, they're still human beings. Um, their families are suffering, even though their families are probably oppressors too. Um, it's it's a tough call. Uh, I what what infuriates me is that it was completely unnecessary. Um, it was just the hubris of the, the largely the CEO who um, obviously felt that the the submersible was safe because he went on it and died himself, but um, really did not uh, perform the checks and balances that should have been performed in that case, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, I am a submarine expert, so. Um, well, me too. I've never been on one and I will never go on one. <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have gone on one before, but certainly not now. Never, ever in the Hell history no. of ever. No. 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 And it's not because I don't like to do things. It's because <laughs> I don't want to. Die like that. No. no oh, thank God. you. Oh, that was so awful. Those days when um, well, we, we were doing the oxygen count. There. Yeah. 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 And just horrible. Just envisioning what that would feel like. and I mean, you do have to have some compassion for those people that if they were down there, just, oh, God, how awful. Yep, no. And so I'll say, like, um, given what we know now, that yeah. it was an implosion and happened uh, pretty Very much quickly. the moment they went off radar, so to speak. Yeah. Um, far prefer that. Um, absolutely makes me so sad and and yet how it touches on so how this one story touches on so many things within the culture like Mm -hmm. we've got the billionaire club right Right. which guys doing stuff to keep themselves busy um we've got uh the i know the classism involved how all the helicopters and all the rescue crews. I mean, sure, it was a big deal. I'm glad there were rescue crews. I'm glad there was world attention on this. People should not have been trapped in a submarine. Terrible and awful. Um, But there was a a boat of, what, five, 600 migrants? 500 something, yeah. Yeah, from Pakistan that, like, and I do believe they had a national day of mourning in Pakistan after and so the country yeah. did acknowledge it but in terms of like newsworthiness that was a morning would never would have heard about it if people Google didn't News. say what about this you know you're all paying attention to the submersible but what about all these hundreds of people who were dying so it wasn't like the news picked up on it on on their own so absolutely i agree yeah no and then um i don't want to use the word I, i'll just say like interesting factoids right uh-huh. the wife of uh the ocean gate ceo slash founder is a descendant of two people who died on the Titanic. Um, The uh, stepson of one of the billionaires who went to the Blink-182 concert concert. while the dad was... We didn't know what had happened, and so as far as the kid knew, the dad was in a submarine on the ocean floor, and he went to a Blink-182 concert and got into a fight with Cardi B. He did? He did, because she tweeted... I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, apparently, uh, it's a thing. Um, and he, with Cardi B is a thing or this is the, a- the fight he had with Cardi oh, B okay. was a thing. Uh-huh. So she tweeted, he tweeted like, I'm at the Blink-182 concert. Some people might say it's distasteful because my father's trapped at the bottom. My stepfather is trapped at the yeah. bottom of the ocean in a submarine. 
but I really like music. And yeah. so and we all grieve in different ways, whatever. He's 19. Sure. I, I give a kid a pass. Cool. Stupid move, but whatever. Uh, sure. You have social media. Uh, and so Cardi B tweeted something like, oh, this is so gross. And you shouldn't you know, be doing that. You should be at home thinking about your dad or whatever. Right. right. And he was like, shut up, Cardi B. Don't you tell me what huh. to do. Um, oh my God. Turns out that our friend, the 19 year old, has a history of stalking women and oh, no. saying foul things to women. And oh my God. I, that's all I surprise. sort of know. I didn't dive, ha, no puns intended. I didn't dive into his story. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself. Um, so g- gross there, right? And then yeah. he tweeted the next day a picture of himself saying, I'm single, ladies. Um, oh, no. Great, right? And then oh, wow. um, tasteless. That's sort of all I've heard, other than he posted a video, which I did not watch, where he yelled at Cardi B, like oh. the third day in. Um, I think somebody took his phone away from him. And so, <laughs> good move, whoever did that. Yeah, um, smart. You definitely need to keep that kid off of social media for a you while. You don't want to fight with Cardi B. Cardi B is going to win. And it, your dad, I should. Yeah. I know you're just 19, but at the same time, so you tasteless. are 19. Like I was paying my own right. rent when I was 19. Right. Um, oh gosh, what else was in that stupid story? Uh, you have the hubris of the CEO, right? Yeah. So like, unbelievable. I use carbon fibers, and some people say don't do that, but I say break rules, and you'll make money. <laughs> sure will. And safety is a waste of time. Then you say something like that. Safety was a waste of time. Uh, and. And, you know, I don't want to say, like, the irony in all this, but, you know, he died, so... Uh, right. Right? So it's not At that he got he what he deserved, but... Uh, uh, right. um, and then um, I'm sure the families are going to sue the fuck out of Ocean Gate oh, Corporation. Oh, the left of Ocean Gate, yeah. Absolutely. How, how would you not sue how the fuck out not? of them? Right? It doesn't matter what... Um, terms and conditions you signed, even though the terms and conditions say, apparently mentioned the word death three times on page one. Um, right. So you're going to die. But okay, that's one thing. But it's another thing if you're just flagrantly disregarding safety protocols um, yeah. that should have been disclosed to people in advance. And talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And then... Um, Absolutely. So we have the 19-year-old stepson, and then we have the 19-year-old kid who was on the submarine right. with his dad. And right. who apparently was terrified didn't and didn't want to go, but did it because it was Father's Day and it was something for his dad, which, you know, it's that whole yeah. cult of male, I guess. Machismo? Yeah, yeah, it's like you have to do what your dad says. Um, right. And that's that. And so the patriarchy uh, failed somebody. Um, again. Again. Yeah. Yet again. Yet again. But at worst, it failed a man. <laughs> And so, Yarky Hearts Men, too. All of that. Um, yeah, that tough. And yeah, so it was now gone, right? It is yeah. faded in the history of uh, it's off of my newsfeed. Um, the, the growing civil war in Russia or the first oh, round yeah. of civil war in Russia. That's pretty, 
Um, well, I heard that they paid off the dude that was coming for Putin. So um, I guess, I mean, I don't know that they paid him off, but I'm sure they paid him off. So I don't know what other kind of agreement they could have come to that would uh, turn him back. But um, he's he's turned back now. So uh, I don't know if there is or isn't a civil war. Very strange. Yeah, it's very strange. Like he's strange. going to does Belarus. He, does he have the conviction of his beliefs or not? I mean, Yeah. Yeah, and like, what were you going to do when you got to Moscow, right? Right. It's kind of like the dog catching the car. Right, like, exactly. You got it now. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, for all that, yeah, it's it is a strange world. Maybe Putin agreed not to kill him. Uh, that guy's fucking toast. I mean, <laughs> I think so too. you're only dead, dude. You're, you're that's right. Only dead. Stay away from windows. Oh, windows right. and stairs they love and pushy pushy radioactive materials oh would you like some tea or some plutonium for you too <laughs> plutonium whatever that horrible drug yeah, is that sounds like plutonium yeah. yeah so that's all i've got this week um i don't know if you got anything else to to bless us with any other <laughs> to bless to us with yes, yes i do let me tell you about when i was in the third grade no i have nothing <laughs> all right so uh, next week we'll have more. Um, I'm going to uh, North Carolina, the Outer Banks, the week after that. So uh, oh, I'll sounds be here great. next week. But the week after that, I'll be gone. Um, hopefully the weather will be good. We'll see. Uh, I understand it's quite hot in your neck of the woods, by the way. It is only is hot. Uh, it was so nice was for so long. And yep, it's, it, nature has conspired to ruin all any fun plans I might ever have. Because it is hotter than the sun outside. How is your garden doing? It don't forget to water it. What I'm gonna say is so awful. <laughs> like I put all those plants in, and I spent yeah. all that time initially, right? Yeah. And so what happened is weeds. Um, all these weeds uh, sprung up, and they're now taller than most of the plants. And <laughs> I can't find the oregano anymore because the weeds grew into uh, it. Um, and. Uh, I thought the adorable baby possum was eating my oh, tomatoes, no. which was cute, right? Yeah. No, it's rats. It's, it's R-A-T-S, rats, yep. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Uh, there were three of them. Three. Wow. Three. And they were the size of kittens. Um, Holy shit. Yep. Um, they were pretty big and still kind of cute, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and then, because I'm so giving and so loving, I can't call the exterminator and have them killed because i'm like oh, i How know what they kill do rats outside though i mean there's an infinite number of them out there right so well yes there there are a lot of rats in the world <laughs> and i can't kill them all <laughs> um, can't. no they um they yeah you know, obviously they put these little rat traps out and so yeah. basically they just put some um poison on uh -huh. some bait in a black rectangle that the yeah Rats run into and eat the bait, and then yeah. it dehydrates them, and they can never get enough water, and then they die. Oh my and god, it's that's terrible! Awful, right? And so I can't do that to these cute rats no, that are eating my tomatoes rats. and my blackberries. Motherfuckers oh. got a hold of those. Um, had three wow. delicious blackberries on the vine waiting for me to <laughs> get to them, and they are now gone. I was saving those. Um, so, yes. Well, you probably have a thousand zucchini or whatever you planted. If you plant any squash, no. you're going to have... Would you believe that rats what? actually what? like squash leaves 
Oh, no. The stems, apparently, are oh, no. filled with delicious, I don't know, juice or whatever. They, they're kind of wet. Um, and so, yeah, so they ate um, half of the squash. Um, my cantaloupe plant, though, is like easily 12 feet long. Um, Damn. And it has put out a cantaloupe, right? Yeah. Or the beginnings of one. And it is really gross looking. It looks like a big, fat, hairy grape. Gross. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, funny. So now I have to, I can't look at it because well, I like probably cantaloupe. Probably the rats will eat it. So. God damn it, you're right. <laughs> they will. Maybe. So you don't have to worry about that. The hard outer Put a shell. Cage around it. Um, so that and the watermelon, um, which is growing and dying at the same time. I, oh. How do I explain that? I don't know. Right. But it's. It's 10 feet long, but it's barely alive. I don't oh. know. Um, yeah, and so oh, well. that's that. Uh, Next year you'll know better when you have your new house, if you if you get a new house. We'll have a new house because um, house hunting is happening Yay. now. And uh, there is a cute backyard there, but uh, I think I'm done. I might like get a <laughs> tomato plant. And put, some put it in a container. Lavender. Yeah, just uh, container plants. But the, I'm not into weeding. And honestly, it is. No, me either. It's over. It's a pain. So good <laughs> luck to the people that rent the house after me. Like, yeah. Oh, gosh. A lot of, forgotten garden. Rat attracting plants. Who <laughs> knew? Who knew? Not me. I didn't know. Yep. And so All right. that's that. Next will be chickens. I'll just get some chickens. and. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nothing could go wrong with chickens. No, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> they just attract um, foxes. Tune in next week and for roosters and foxes and all kinds of uh, things that eat. Uh, yeah, attacking cats. Theo's home. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> all right, thanks everybody. Um, we'll see you next week. And stay cool, cucumbers, and don't trip potato chips. Take care and goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted and on Instagram at Apologies.accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.